you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read a few portions of Scripture to open up, and then I'm going to get right into this message, teaching. And um, 2 Corinthians 13, when you get there, say amen. We're going to start reading in 2 Corinthians in verse 11. And this is what Paul said at the end of his letter, second letter to the Corinthians. He said, finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect or mature, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Then he said in verse 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. He also said that in 1 Corinthians 16 and 20, and 1 Thessalonians 5 and 26, greet your brethren with a holy kiss. Peter said it in 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 14, you don't have to turn there, I'm just quoting these to you. He said, greet one another with a kiss of charity. And then in the book of Acts, this is a very interesting scripture, I say interesting, it was moving to me. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 37, this is whenever Paul was getting ready to go uh, and they didn't want him to go here at the end of almost the end of the book of Acts or close to the end. And the Bible says in verse 36, we'll just start there, says, and when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with all, with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sor sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him unto the ship. I want to speak tonight to you on a very, I don't want to say unusual, but a, but a topic that I've never preached on before, ever. And it's called, the, the message is entitled, A Holy Kiss. A Holy Kiss. And I want to minister this tonight and I want you to keep your Bibles open and if you if you can't stay with me tonight then just write these scriptures down and you're going to be very uh, I believe um, ministered to by the word of God and what I believe and I don't just believe I know God spoke to me in prayer let's pray over the word of God father we thank you tonight for this time to come and to break open the bread of life and to preach the word of God. And Lord, I know that you are here in this place. And I feel in my heart, Lord, that you've spoken to me in prayer this afternoon, Lord, so profoundly. Lord, to speak to this congregation tonight. And this wasn't a worship type of a night, Lord. This, this is a night that you really want to minister your word. And I pray that you will just anoint me and anoint these lips of clay. And God, that you will teach us through this word. That it will exhort us. It will convict us. Lord, if need be, it will rebuke us. Lord, it will correct us. 
Lord, that it will minister to us and it will bless us. Father God, as we go through the Bible and we see all of these accounts, Lord, and, and, and how awesome this is that we, Lord, can feel your love and we can feel your presence and we can, in essence, feel the kiss of God because you came here to this earth, Lord, and made your presence known and made intimate contact with us, Lord, by coming here to this earth. And I pray that you bless, Father God, this time tonight. Lord, and I, I stand behind the cross. Hide me behind the cross be exalted, Lord, and be glorified, for I only want you to be glorified. And I ask your blessing upon it as you minister tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So I've entitled this A Holy Kiss. And I read the opening scriptures because I wanted you to see how that in the New Testament, greeting with a holy kiss was something that was the norm between the disciples. And uh, I'm teaching on this. Paul spoke about it. Peter uh, taught it uh, to, to greet one another with a holy kiss or a kiss of charity. And I'm sure we all understand what a kiss is. Amen. But I'm doubtful that you really know how much kiss or kisses are referenced in the Bible. Or how significant and connected to the spiritual that they really are. 48 different times in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this word is, is referenced, kiss or kisses. And Strong's gives an awesome translation. In the Strong's, in the one passage in the Old Testament that it references in Hebrew, it says it is the idea of fastening. And we know that when there's a kiss, there's a fastening. The attachment... To touch lightly, it, it, it rarely has a romantic implication. Only in four different places in the Old Testament do we read where it has an implication of romance. But for the most part, or the majority of the scriptures, it's about, a, it's a spiritual thing. And it's, it's, it's a kiss as an express, or it expresses the dearness of a relationship with family and friends. And you will see the word tonight, uh, it was a mark of farewells, it was a mark of reunions, it was a remark of an acceptance of a person, or the harmony of immoral qualities in two people. Um, also, it, a kiss was an act of worship to idols in the Old Testament, and also uh, of the Messiah, or and the Messiah. Also used in giving of blessings and a kiss was used in deceit. The Bible's full of examples on diverse occasions with different hearts and motives behind the kiss. For the disciples to have exhorted us to greet one another with a holy kiss that can only mean there is an unholy one. And I just want to stay here for just a second and say that I am not... I am not speaking to you tonight trying to say that, uh, you know, anybody should do anything that they don't feel comfortable doing, okay? And I also want to say this to you, because I'm teaching on this as a topic. I'm not teaching it as something I'm exhorting you to do. 
Okay, because I want you to understand that because there's some people in here, I don't know, I'm just going to say there's an impure, there's an impurity sometimes in people's heart, there's an impure desire, and sometimes there's an impure heart behind the kiss. Don't be afraid, church, stay here with me. I'm going somewhere. Okay, but there's some, there, there might be a man in here that enjoys kissing ladies in here, but that's not what I'm teaching tonight. Don't you dare do that. Okay. There have been women that came up to me and said, I don't want no man in here kissing me. And so, brothers, don't kiss no woman unless she's your wife. Love you, sister. Amen. Because I've had many women in years tell me, I don't want no man to hug me, and I don't want no man to kiss me in church. And you got a hug in church and a kiss in church. Okay? But what I'm saying to you is that I'm not teaching that tonight so much. What I'm teaching you is that there is something behind the act of what we read about and what we're going to be taught tonight from the Word of God. Amen? And so in order for them to say, greet one another with a holy kiss, that can only mean that there is also an unholy one. But this is a very spiritual topic and thought and one of the highest a kiss is one of the highest acts of holy affection that we read about in the bible please see the spiritual significance here because that's what i want to teach you tonight in 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 genesis 29 11 jacob kissed rachel and he wept at his first encounter whenever he saw her. He removed that stone off of that well and they were watering all those lambs and he was looking at her and he was like, my goodness. He began, he kissed her and then he wept, the Bible says. This wasn't so much a, it wasn't a sexual thing as much as it was a spiritual thing because it was deeper than physical. He went, he wept because he knew he was in the will of God when he found Rachel. He knew and, and he wept because he had found a part in his destiny. He knew he was in the will of God. He knew he found a part in his destiny. He wept because he knew it was covenant ordained that he ran into Rachel and he met who God joined him together with. There's something powerful behind that act of a kiss. There's something about it. It's that connection. God wants us to have that connection with him in the spiritual realm. And he wants us to have that genuine, genuine, genuine affection for the body body of Christ in the same way even though it may not be physical that heart that's behind it because you don't kiss somebody if you don't love them husbands and wives remember you are in covenant with your spouse and God has joined you together a lot of marriages and married, married people, even in church, they don't realize the covenant that they have God has joined you together and you say, well, we didn't get married in church. We got married in the courthouse. When you begin to come and get born again and you surrendered your lives to God and this marriage became a godly marriage, it was joined together by God and God joined it and let no man pull it asunder. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. It's a spiritual thing. You're in covenant with that spouse. You've got a destiny with that spouse. You are in the will of God with that spouse. Amen. So husbands, remember that. Wives, remember that. You're in covenant together with them. In the Bible, there is a kiss of greetings. 
Exodus 18.7, Moses kissed Jethro because he loved that high priest. He was his pastor. He was his minister. He was somebody that taught him, you know, and, 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 and taught him about being a shepherd and taught him things out there in that sheepfold for 40 years. He had Jethro, the high priest of Midian, that was a blessing to him and that was a mentor to him and he loved him. I can tell you, church, tonight, there's nothing wrong with having love for a, a spiritual father that has poured into you and loved you amen and when he saw Jethro whenever he came back from from uh, from bringing the children of, of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and he delivered them because God delivered them but he used Moses whenever they crossed that Red Sea in the 18th chapter I believe it was Moses sees Jethro and he brought his wife and his two boys um, to, to Moses and said I've been keeping over them, watching over them and he hugged him and he kissed him and the Bible says that he began to give him honor he calls it obeisance but, but it was honor unto Jethro because he loved him so what am I saying love your pastor amen because sometimes you don't always feel loved you say sometimes I don't feel loved Hey, you, 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 you should know something tonight. Everybody feels that way sometimes. I'm talking about a holy kiss. Amen. And he took care of his wife and boys while he was in Egypt. In Exodus 4, 27, Aaron met with Moses after a huge conflict with Zipporah. Remember, he had gone into it with Zipporah and God was about ready to kill him because he would not do the circumcision because Zipporah didn't want him to do the circumcision. So he was caught between, you know, a, a rock and a hard place. He was caught between God and what his wife wanted him to do. And, and, and so he did what God told him to do and there was a great conflict there. But Aaron met up with Moses. Moses, and the first thing he did was he grabbed him and he gave him a holy kiss and I believe he knew he's been through something and he needs that encouragement to know a man that God understands where he's at and he's given him that encouragement we need encouragement sometimes from our brothers we need that amen and there's that affection there stay here with me David kissed Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20 verse 41 with a holy kiss in the field in one of the hardest times of his life when Saul wanted to kill David. There wasn't nothing homosexual about that. There wasn't nothing illicit about that. There wasn't nothing perverted about that. It was a holy kiss because Jonathan came out and, and he was trying to, he wasn't trying, he was, he was preserving the light in Israel and he was trying to protect David from what his own father Saul wanted to do to David it was a holy thing and whenever that armor bearer grabbed those arrows and he told him go on back to the house David come out of that field and him and Jonathan met and he was like you know what they began to make a covenant at that moment right then and right there in 1 Samuel 20, verse 41, I'm not reading all these scriptures to you. Write them down. I'm just sharing with you what's already there. Jonathan and David embraced. Jonathan loved what God loved. And what God loved was David's heart. God loved David's heart because he said he has a heart after God's own heart. Amen. Just because, you know, somebody does something that you don't agree with sometimes in ministry doesn't mean that they don't have God's heart. 
God has a heart. David was a warrior. And there were times he had to deal with things. He was a loving man, but he had a heart after God's own heart. And that's why Jonathan was knit with him, because he knew he's somebody that God's going to use, and he saw the hand of God upon him. And that, that kiss, in essence, that holy kiss, was, was an embracing, and it was a connection. It was an attachment. It was an agreement with what God says. And he said, I'm in agreement with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel comes down to anoint the king. You've all read that. And he asked Jesse, bring out all your boys. Well, Jesse brought them all out but David. He said, ain't none of these fellows in here, even as tall and, and built and good looking and all the attributes that they have, it ain't none of these boys. Don't you have any other boys? Well, we got a little old shepherd out there in the backside of the sheep, but we'll bring him in here. And when David came in, a little Rudy boy he's standing there he's a teenage boy and he's looking up at him and he began to pour that anointing oil upon him and he kissed him with a holy kiss why are you reading all these scriptures or quoting all these scriptures because it's all through the Bible it's all through the Bible why did he kiss David why did Samuel the prophet Samuel the high priest kiss David because he was kissing him in an extension of God's heart through Samuel the prophet and the priest. And you cannot diminish the actions that we see in the story or in the word of God. That was God's kiss of blessing upon him. Y'all aren't getting this tonight. I know you wanted me to swing from the pipes up there, but we're going a different direction. Please do not think for one second that I'm wanting somebody to make out with you after church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an act that took place in the Bible of an endearment, of a connection. And it's spiritual. Everything spiritual that happened, there was a kiss that was involved with it. We need that That. We need that connection with the body of Christ because I can tell you, I'm in Christ, Santo's in Christ. He's my brother. We need that connection. We need that love. We need that brotherhood. We need that fellowship. We need that, in essence, that spiritual unity. Amen? Because we're all one in here. We're all one in here. And that spiritual kiss makes you one. It connects you together. And you can't diminish the actions that we see in the story. That was God's kiss of blessing upon David from Samuel. And I just shared some authentic kisses that are noted in Scripture. But I want to show some examples in the Word, uh, in the word of a heart condition behind the kiss. Every heart can, there's, in every kiss, there's a heart condition behind it. In every kiss, there's a motive behind it. I'm telling you. Every kiss is not holy. If they are holy, that means they have the character of God in them and the integrity also. Yeah, put that on a reel. If they're a holy kiss, that means they have the character of God behind them and the integrity also. Amen. Is your kiss leavened with corruption? If so, let's heed the word 
And let's repent and have a pure heart and motives in that act. Isaac kissed Jacob and he meant it with integrity. You know what? I, I, I feel like I'm not getting the wow factor because I'm not reading the scripture. So I'm going to read the scripture. In Genesis chapter 27, in Genesis 27, verse 26, this is what happened whenever Esau, I'm sorry, whenever Jacob went in and deceived his father. In verse 26 of chapter 27, the Bible says, And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him, and he said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and a plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that the soul thy soul may bless me and Isaac his father said unto him who art thou and he said I am thy son thy firstborn Esau and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said who who where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me and I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him Yea, and, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceedingly bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me even also my father, O oh my father. And we know what happened. But what I want to say to you is in the midst of this action that took place, there was a kiss involved. And it was a kiss of deception. But Isaac didn't know that. His heart was pure, but his son's was deceptive. It was not a holy kiss. It was a deceptive kiss. And so there are deceptive kisses. There are unholy kisses. There are treacherous kisses. The giver was pure in his intention, speaking of Isaac, but the recipient was the deceiver. If you read in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 9 and verse 14, Naomi began to say, I'm going back to my homeland. I'm going back to, to, to Israel. I'm going back to, to Bethlehem. I'm going back where I used to be. There's bread, and God's going to take care of his people. And we know the story that she had lost her husband and both of her sons, and she had two daughter-in-laws there with her. And we know that Orpah went up, and she tried to compel her to go with her, and she said, well, you know, at first she was willing to go, but then she said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go on back. But Ruth clave unto Naomi. She wouldn't let her go. But Orpah went up and kissed her. And she went on back to Moab. And she went back to idolatry. Because her kiss was not genuine. She no doubt had a fondness for Naomi. But not for her God. So her kiss was a disingenuous platitude. 
Amen. Some of you don't know what a platitude is, but a platitude is something that is very stale and dull and void of sentiment. And disingenuous means it's not genuine. It's a disingenuous. Have you ever had somebody be disingenuous with you? I can tell you that is one thing that I pray the Lord always puts me in check in my life. Do not let me be disingenuous. I want to be genuine and authentic. I want to be earnest. I want to have integrity in my life. And but 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 Orpah was a disingenuous gave a disingenuous kiss, a disingenuous platitude, which means she was stale and dull and void of sentiment and you can't give a holy kiss if it's not generated from a holy God who you know personally oh there's so much more some of you never knew how many kisses were in the Bible there's a lot of them good ones and not so good in Luke chapter 7, verse 38, remember when the woman came in that was a woman of the city? And she began to kneel down and she wept on Jesus' feet and she kissed his feet. What was that? That was a genuine kiss of a heartfelt worshiper. And the absence in the room of a holy kiss from the host. Because Jesus said... You're criticizing her, but I came in here and did nobody wash my feet. Did nobody give me a kiss? That's exactly what he said. He said, nobody washed my feet. Nobody gave me a kiss. But from the moment she walked in the door, she has washed my feet with her tears. She has given me kisses on my feet. She is, she's worshiping me. And you know what I think is so interesting? He said, thou gave me no kiss. Let me just say this to you. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, oh, let us not forsake to kiss. The, let us not forsake the kiss of our Lord in worship and then criticize the passionate worshiper. In other words, we don't want to do it, but we criticize other people that do. Amen. Don't judge anybody's worship. You don't know whether it's pure or not. It's unto God. And, and, and you know, you, you just, you don't know, but we, what I'm trying to say is Jesus put him in check and he said, she's the only one that came in here and gave me a holy kiss of worship. She's the only one. Is our, is our, is our kiss unto God. Because I can tell you that's what we do when we get down there and we're worshiping God. We're sitting down there and we're having intimate contact with him. That's what that is. That's what that is. And he said, you gave me no kiss. So let's not criticize what we're not willing to do. Amen. They, there were treacherous kisses in the Bible. I'm just going to go through these real quick and just give you the scriptures. But let me just give you a couple and then we'll get here towards the end. Where I really believe that the Lord will minister to you from his word. You know, Joab grabbed Amasa by the beard in 2 Samuel 20, and he went over there, and he was acting like he was going to kiss him and greet him. But he grabbed him by the beard and pulled out a sword and went in his side. It was a treacherous kiss. Well, it wasn't even a kiss. It was a shank before 
the kiss even got into, you know, to happen. Never happened. But he acted like he was going to kiss him, but he didn't. He murdered him. Judas, I'm sorry, Absalom in 2 Samuel 15, verses 4 through 6, he was down stealing the hearts of the people in Jerusalem. He was there at the gate saying, you know what? He was saying, you know what? Oh, I wish I was a judge. Oh, I wish I was in charge. I wish I was the king. I wish I was the one. I can tell you, I would be a whole lot better of a leader than David. That's what he was saying in essence. And he was stealing the hearts of the people. And the Bible says he'd go over and he'd grab their hand and he would be like, you know what? Oh, you got, you got problems. He was a politician. He was a politician. He'd say, oh, my, you know, oh, I tell you, nobody loves you, man, but I love you. I love you. And the Bible says he would grab their hand and he would kiss them. Read it. It's right there in the word of God. Absalom, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. Amen. In, in 2 Samuel, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel 15, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 4. And Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. He wasn't interested in really loving the people. He was in love with the power. You know, there are people that want to be in leadership and they don't love the ones they lead. They love to lead. So the question is, do you love the ones you lead or do you just love to lead? Are you in love with the title? Are you in love with that? He kissed those at the gate, stole the hearts of the men of Israel, being driven to, the king, to be king. It was a manipulative kiss. I don't want to be manipulative. Amen. I don't want to be manipulative. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Luke 22, verse 47 through 48. And the Bible says in the, in the concordance, and I don't have the exact number, but in the concordance, it, was, it, it said whenever Judas went up to Jesus, this is the way it's implied in the scripture, that he kissed him so many times, it was like he just kept kissing him and kept kissing him and kept kissing him and kept kissing him. Because Jesus, John Corson wrote this in his commentary, Jesus was such a common-looking person that they had no idea who he was out of the bunch. Amen. They, they said, we don't know who he is from the other 12 that are, that are over there, whoever's around about him. And Judas said, I'll show you. I'm going to go right up to him and I'll kiss him. And, and there was probably a lot of people there and he just, he just kept on. What I'm saying to you is that he betrayed him with a kiss or with kisses. And I can tell you, you will not hide or cover up from God your wicked heart. He knows. Because he said, Judas, you betrayed me with a kiss. John Corson said this, and I'll, I'll quote this. Judas betrayed him, and he said, Jesus was so common looking at the, that he blended with the crowd that Judas had to distinguish who Jesus was this way. I believe in the midst of him doing that, 
I believe he was even then beginning to start to feel the conviction, but he had already started the process. Have you ever been in a place of sin and don't act like you haven't just looked straight ahead? In a place in the midst of a sin and you, you know you're not supposed to be doing it, you know it's sinful, you know it's wrong, but you figure, you know what, I'm already here. God is saying, don't betray me. Listen, there is a treacherous kiss. There is a kiss of real holy love and integrity. And, you know, I don't think he's here tonight. And I'm not saying nothing bad. It's all good. So you can talk about somebody behind their back when it's good. Right? Philip Acosta. I'm telling you. That guy is a lover of Jesus, and he loves people. He grabs me. I get 15 kisses on my face and my forehead and everywhere else before I even get in the door. But there ain't nothing unholy about that at all. He's as pure as the driven snow. His heart is pure. His heart is spotless. He just loves God, and he's so thankful to be where he's at and so thankful to to be saved and to be delivered and to be have a family of, of God, a body of Christ around him. And he loves you. Oh, he, 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 he's just genuine, you know. And there's other people I know that they, they love you and, and all that. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying he's just a prime example of what I'm talking about tonight of a holy kiss. Amen. Amen. He's not, you know, he's not got a, a, an impure thought in his mind. He's not going around the church trying to see who he can scope out. And No, 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 no. He loves God and he loves people. That's a holy kiss. And it's pure. And, and I, just, I just want to say to you tonight, let us examine our hearts and motives to be certain that our love is like Christ's love. He said, greet with a holy kiss because it's a point of contact. It's something that shows your affection and it shows your compassion. It shows that you, you, you truly love that person in the Lord. You love them. And, and, and everything that we do, it needs to be seasoned with salt and the salt of his love and the salt of his compassion and honor to our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Because a holy kiss was exhorted because of its impact. It is the personality of God. I assure you, as John laid on Jesus' chest, there were times Jesus grabbed them disciples and he loved them. He gave them a kiss on the cheek. There's no doubt in my mind because anything that God does in, in his word that is a part of, of, of every other, what I would say, continuity in the scripture. In other words, there, it, it, you see it everywhere in the Bible. I can tell you that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. And um, you see the compassion of God throughout the whole word. You see his love shown. And I can tell you that in heaven, God looks down upon his children. And spiritually, whenever we feel the presence of God, it's like a kiss of God. Because there's nothing like being kissed, I can tell you. Amen. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's only one, one lady in my life. I'm not being funny. You know, we all act like we're squares tonight, like we can't. 
Amen. I know some of you have kissed people in here. And if, you, if you're married and that's not happening, maybe that's what's your problem. Amen. You know, every... It's like Brother Talbert said that one time. Sitting down with that couple. They were having marital problems. And he said, every night, she cooks that little dog down there, a hamburger patty and an egg. Every night. And then when he's done eating, goes in there and just rubs on his belly. And he said, just irritates me. And she said, well, what do you think I'm supposed to do, brother? And he said, well, I think if you want your marriage to get back on track, maybe you need to cook him a hamburger patty, your husband, that is, and an egg, and then go in there and rub his belly. Some people love their dogs more than their spouses. Did I just say that? Man, this was the Holy Ghost. It's the personality of God. Because a kiss is the most intimate thing. That can happen. And I can tell you, you say, oh, it ain't in the Bible. I can tell you, Jesus, there were times he grabbed them disciples and he loved them. He probably pulled them up close, gave them a kiss right here on the cheek. Said, John, I love you. I love you. John taught more on love than anybody. And he knew the pure, holy love of God. Because he teaches it in his epistles. And he teaches it in his gospel. And so I assure you of that. And I close with this, that Jesus came to the earth and in essence kissed the earth with his touch. That's why he came. I was reading a scripture today. I don't know that I've even ever remember reading it before, but I'm sure that I have. But in Psalms 85, verse 9, this is what it says. It says in Psalms 85 verse 9, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. So that we need the fear of God for there to be the glory of God in our land. That's why our land is all messed up. Because there's no fear of God. There needs to be a fear of God. But then he goes on to say mercy and truth are met together. And righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Why did I write that? Or why did I re, uh, uh, quote that tonight? Because when he said righteousness and peace kissed each other, that's exactly what happens when a person is right with God and another person is right with God. There's a peace where there's righteousness. Amen? There's a peace in your home where mom and dad are both getting along and walking with the Lord like they're supposed to. If a husband and wife will just live for God and they will begin to live a righteous life and endeavor to live a righteous life and when I say righteous treating one another with love and treating 
treating one another with grace, showing long-suffering and grace to the person that you're supposed to be the closest with. Why is it that we always seem to show people external greater grace and love and mercy and long-suffering than we do the people that are the closest to us? It's wrong. It's supposed to be the other way around. You'll yell and scream and nag and bicker. Have, uh, you know, have contention and strife in that family. Then you'll go somewhere and people act just like, you know, that, you know, they're just, you know, the mayor. Just love everybody. I've seen people, they get, you know, I'm going to tell on myself. We used to go to church, went to Living Waters. I was there six years, worship leader. And we'd have a great service. And we'd get in that car. And it just seemed like the devil would just jump in there with us. And the whole ride home is World War III. Angela and I would just, come on, some of you, you look straight ahead. Amen. Some of you say, it's World War III getting here. Man, maybe you need to lean over to the spouse and kiss him and say, let me greet you with a holy kiss and let's not argue on the way. Amen. But one day I just realized, you know what? This has to stop. This is not right. This is not right. Because that, that you know what that is? It's called hypocrisy. And God don't need any onstage actors. He needs people to be righteous at home and righteous at church. Amen. I'm just telling you right now tonight, I'm teaching you something. And I believe God's trying to show us that righteousness and peace kissed each other. We only have peace with God and of God and with others because of His righteousness in us. And they touch with great spiritual intimacy. That's why you can have a brother or sister in, a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord. And it's so beautiful, that relationship. It's just so beautiful. It's so awesome. You know, it just is. You know, I, I love to go over to Delia and Santos, and Delia's always got something to eat. Amen. I'm so thankful. She's always got some soup or something, you know. And, and I used to think, man, I don't want to eat, but, man, it's just so good. And so, you know, how can I say no? You know, you're not supposed to turn anybody down. So, but she always, hey, pastor, ah, brother. She just loves, always got a smile on her face. She's bubbly, amen. And she just loves the Lord. And I appreciate that because that's a spirit that is contagious. And she's not greeting me with an with a actual kiss, but she's hugging me and she's loving me. And in essence, that's a contact. It's body language that's a contact that speaks volumes. It's authentic. There's integrity there. There's integrity there. We only have the peace of God and of God and with others. Peace with others because of His righteous, righteousness in us. And they touch with great spiritual intimacy. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Joseph kissed his brothers in restoration. Genesis 48 verse 10. The Bible says that after he had put them out and he brought them back in, he began to weep and say, I'm your brother Joseph. And he wept on their, shoulder, on their necks and the Bible says he kissed them. 
Because whenever you kiss somebody with a holy kiss and you're weeping in, in, in reconciliation and restoration, there's nothing fake or fraudulent about that. This is how I feel about you. And it's very evident that from that moment on, he loved his brothers. And when you forgive somebody, you forgive them. It's over. It's over. It's in the past. What you thought you meant for bad, God meant for good. So the things that you're going through, let me tell you, God's doing it for your good. Amen. All things are working together for your good. Amen. All things work together for the good to those who love God and are thee called according to his purpose. All of this had to happen because Joseph had to learn something and he was a type of Christ. That even though you put me in a pit, I'm going to love you. Even though you put me through hell for years, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to kiss you on your cheek. And it's going to be holy. It's not going to be manipulative. It's not going to be a kiss of betrayal. It's not going to be Orpah's kiss. It's not going to be Absalom's kiss. It's not going to be Joab's kiss. Esau, in Genesis 33, 4, when Jacob came up to him and he saw him, Esau, Jacob fell to the ground. So the Bible says. And Esau grabbed him and he kissed him. Because what he was saying is, I know you betrayed me, but I love you. And this is a kiss of authenticity and integrity. It's a holy kiss and I love you. He's showing the forgiveness of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The prodigal's father clearly reflects the heart of God as he embraces his lost son and he kisses him. It's through the whole Bible. In Luke 15, 20, when he saw him, he said, bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the shoes. Kill the fatted calf. Do you know why he killed the fatted calf? Not because he wanted to have a barbecue of celebration. But because. Whenever a child went away, that father didn't know if he committed some sin or not. And he said, I want to make sure that we make atonement. I can tell you, you can't have a holy kiss without atonement. And he said, let's do all these things, but I want him to know I love him. And he fell on his neck and he wept and he kissed him. And he said, my son was dead, but he's now alive. He's come back to life. In prayer, we were to kiss the son in worship. Meaning connecting in one of the closest spiritual forms. What does Psalms chapter 2 say? I'm going to read it and I'm going to close. In Psalms chapter 2. He said in verse 12. I'll just start with verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear. Because this is a messianic psalm, by the way. In Psalms chapter 2. It's a, song that, it's a psalm that represents the Messiah. And he said, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish from the way. When His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. If you'll start the beginning of that, you'll understand that the heathen rage. There's people that say, we're going to break him. 
we're going to destroy him. The kings of the earth have set themselves and rulers and take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us because there's people that do not want the love of God to bind them. There's a love that binds you. Amen. There's a love that binds you to that altar. That sacrifice had to be bound to that altar. That's why it says, you know, put that sacrifice on that altar and bind it with cords. There's a binding together of love. But they, there's people that say, I don't want to be bound by that love. And they don't love anybody. They may think they do, but they don't love anybody. Because the moment that somebody doesn't do what they want, their love all of a sudden diminishes. But I can tell you, when you're serving God and His love binds you, then there's a lot of things you do when people don't reciprocate. Amen. But he goes on to say, Ask of me and I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance in verse 8. That's what Jesus was called to do. He was, he was called to come down here to this earth and, 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 and begin to give his life. And God said in his word, that's what that messianic psalm means. I will give the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. He's not talking about the people that he loves and that he redeems. He's talking about the people that, he, that have rejected him. I can tell you that the same cross will either save you or it will damn you. You're either going to accept Jesus' sacrifice or that sacrifice one day is going to stare you in the face on judgment day and you're going to have to say, I rejected it. And God's going to say, well, then you have to stand before me for your sin, for yourself. And you can't do that because you're not a, willing, you're not a, 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 a perfect spotless sacrifice. Only Jesus is. That's why we must preach Christ. We must preach Christ. We must. And, and, and the world has to know this God that we serve. And every day we come and we're with him and we're in his presence. And we, we, it's, it's like God kisses us in prayer. I don't know about you, but in worship and in prayer, that's how I feel. In fact, there have been times I've been so touched and moved by God. I sat there in my prayer closet and I just held my Bible because, you know, I, I, just, I said, Lord, I just want to touch you. I just want to hold you. I just want to hug you, Lord. I just I want to get closer. And I feel like with this Bible closer to my heart that I'm just that much closer. I don't know. I'm just trying to hold on. And the Lord comes and he pours out his spirit in that place in prayer and worship and it's like God comes down here and kisses the earth and I'm right there in the middle of the smack let me tell you there have been times in prayer I just went like this I'm like Lord I just kiss you I love you I love you I worship you that's what I'm talking about tonight and that's how we're supposed to be with the body because there's a lot of people that had an unholy kiss but there is a holy kiss there's a holy love. There's a holy embrace. There's a holy acceptance. There's a holy intimacy with God and with the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, those people that go through your valleys with you, those people that go through those storms with you, amen, that friend that's there alongside you whenever you're going through the valley, amen, when you're going through it, God is so good. Aren't you thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ? 
What Paul and Peter were saying is, we're in this together, brothers. We need one another. We're in this together. You're not alone. You're not alone. Amen. You're not alone. If there's one thing that I remember as a child about my father, about my dad, and I did not see him a lot as a kid, but when he came to pick us up, and he would take us, there's two things I remember about my dad. Number one, three things. My dad was, was, was always wore cologne. Always. And, and he always smelled so good, and I would just hug him, and I would be like, man, I wish I could smell like this, you know. Well, after I got done hugging him, I did. Because his cologne wore off on me. But my, yeah, yeah. Some people need to be perfumed with the very aroma of the Holy Spirit in their life. Amen. And you'll be effective. But another thing was he was so loving to us. I remember his love. Never forgot that. And I remember my dad would grab us kids. And he'd kiss every one of us. And he'd kiss us again. And he'd cry and he'd weep. I'm sorry, kids, it has to be this way. But I got to drop you off here on the front porch of the house. And he kissed us, and I never forgot that. And to this day, to this day, my dad still grabs me. To this day, every time he sees me, he kisses me on the cheek. He loves me. He loves me. And you know what? If my dad can show that kind of love, can you imagine the love of the Father? Holy kiss. And church, we're supposed to be him extended. We're supposed to be a mirror of who he is. Are we? At all times. Always. The Apostle Paul said, ladies, your husband may not be serving God. But love him and show him Christ. Because that's how you're going to win him. You're not going to win him by beating him up with the Bible. You're going to win him by loving him and showing him Christ. Amen. I've heard women say, I've, I've heard men say, I'm here today because of a loving wife. She loved me into the kingdom. He loved me into the kingdom. Amen. Oh, Father, today, I just thank you, Lord. And I know this was probably very uh, out of the ordinary of what we normally do. But, Lord, I obeyed you. And I knew what you wanted me to do. And so tonight, before we leave... My heart's prayer is this, that you will just minister to us all here before we go home tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
see all of these accounts, Lord, and, and, and how awesome this is that we, Lord, can feel your love and we can feel your presence and we can, in essence, feel the kiss of God because you came here to this earth, Lord, and made your presence known and made intimate contact with us, Lord, by coming here to this earth. And I pray that you bless, Father God, this time tonight. Lord, and I, I stand behind the cross. Hide me behind the cross. Be exalted, Lord, and be glorified, for I only want you to be glorified. And I ask your blessing upon it as you minister tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. So I've entitled this A Holy Kiss. And I read the opening scriptures because I wanted you to see how that in the New Testament, Greeting with a holy kiss was something that was the norm between the disciples. And uh, I'm teaching on this. Paul spoke about it. Peter uh, taught it uh, to, to greet one another with a holy kiss or a kiss of charity. And I'm sure we all understand what a kiss is. Amen. But I'm doubtful that you really know how much kiss or kisses are referenced in the Bible or how significant and connected to the spiritual that they really are. 48 different times in the Old Testament and the New Testament, this word is, is referenced, kiss or kisses. And Strong's gives an awesome translation. In the Strong's, in the one passage in the Old Testament that it references in Hebrew. It says it is the idea of fastening. And we know that when there's a kiss, there's a fastening. The attachment to touch lightly. It, it, it rarely has a romantic implication. Only in four different places in the Old Testament do we read where it has an implication of romance. But for the most part, or the majority of the scriptures, it's about a, it's a spiritual thing, and it's 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 a kiss is an express, or it expresses the dearness of a relationship with family and friends. And you will see the word tonight. Uh, it, it was a mark of farewells. It was a mark of reunions. It was a remark of an acceptance of a person or the harmony of a moral qualities in two people. Um, also, it, a kiss was an act of worship to idols in the Old Testament and also uh, of the Messiah or and the Messiah. Also used in giving of blessings and a kiss was used in deceit. The Bible's full of examples on diverse occasions with different hearts and motives behind the kiss. For the disciples to have exhorted us to greet one another with a holy kiss that can only mean there is an unholy one. And I just want to stay here for just a second and say that I am not, I am not speaking to you tonight trying to say that, uh, you know, anybody should do anything that they don't feel comfortable doing, okay? And I also want to say this to you. Because I'm teaching on this as a topic. I'm not teaching it as something I'm exhorting you to do. 
Okay, because I want you to understand that because there's some people in here, I don't know, I'm just going to say there's an impure, there's an impurity sometimes in people's heart, there's an impure desire, and sometimes there's an impure heart behind the kiss. Don't be afraid, church, stay here with me. I'm going somewhere. Okay, but there's some, there, there might be a man in here that enjoys kissing ladies in here, but that's not what I'm teaching tonight. Don't you dare do that. Okay. There have been women that came up to me and said, I don't want no man in here kissing me. And so, brothers, don't kiss no woman unless she's your wife. Love you, sister. Amen. Because I've had many women in years tell me, I don't want no man to hug me, and I don't want no man to kiss me in church. And you got a hug in church and a kiss in church. Okay? But what I'm saying to you is that I'm not teaching that tonight so much. What I'm teaching you is that there is something behind the act of what we read about and what we're going to be taught tonight from the Word of God. Amen? And so in order for them to say, greet one another with a holy kiss, that can only mean that there is also an unholy one. But this is a very spiritual topic and thought, and one of the highest, a kiss is one of the highest acts of holy affection that we read about in the Bible. Please see the spiritual significance here because that's what I want to teach you tonight. In, in, in Genesis 29, 11, Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept at his first encounter whenever he saw her. He removed that stone off of that well and they were watering all those lambs and he was looking at her and he was like, my goodness, he began, he kissed her and then he wept, the Bible says. This wasn't so much a, it wasn't a sexual thing as much as it was a spiritual thing because it was deeper than physical. He went, he wept because he knew he was in the will of God when he found Rachel. He knew and, and he wept because he had found a part in his destiny. He knew he was in the will of God. He knew he found a part in his destiny. He wept because he knew it was covenant ordained that he ran into Rachel and he met who God joined him together with. There's something powerful behind that act of a kiss. There's something about it. It's that connection. God wants us to have that connection with him in the spiritual realm and he wants us to have that genuine, genuine, genuine affection for the body of Christ in the same way even though it may not be physical that heart that's behind it because you don't kiss somebody if you don't love them husbands and wives remember you are in covenant with your spouse and God has joined you together a lot of marriages and married, married people even in church they don't realize the covenant that they have God has joined you together and you say, well, we didn't get married in church. We got married in the courthouse. When you begin to come and get born again and you surrendered your lives to God and this marriage became a godly marriage, it was joined together by God and God joined it and let no man pull it asunder. It's a spiritual thing. Amen. It's a spiritual thing. You're in covenant with that spouse. You've got a destiny with that spouse. You are in the will of God with that spouse. Amen. So husbands, remember that. Wives, remember that. You're in covenant together with them. In the Bible, there is a kiss of greetings. 
Exodus 18.7, Moses kissed Jethro because he loved that high priest. He was his pastor. He was his minister. He was somebody that taught him, you know, and, 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 and taught him about being a shepherd and taught him things out there in that sheepfold for 40 years. He had Jethro, the high priest of Midian, that was a blessing to him and that was a mentor to him and he loved him. I can tell you, church, tonight, there's nothing wrong with having love for a, a spiritual father that has poured into you and loved you, amen? And when he saw Jethro, whenever he came back from from uh, from bringing the children of, of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and he delivered them because God delivered them, but he used Moses whenever they crossed that Red Sea in the 18th chapter, I believe it was, Moses sees Jethro, and he brought his wife and his two boys um, to, to Moses and said, I've been keeping over them, watching over them and he hugged him and he kissed him and the Bible says that he began to give him honor. He calls it obeisance but, but it was honor unto Jethro because he loved him. So what am I saying? Love your pastor. Amen. Because sometimes you don't always feel loved. You say, sometimes I don't feel loved. Hey, you, 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 you should know something tonight. Everybody feels that way sometimes. I'm talking about a holy kiss. Amen. And he took care of his wife and boys while he was in Egypt. In Exodus 4, 27, Aaron met with Moses after a huge conflict with Zipporah. Remember, he had gone into it with Zipporah and God was about ready to kill him because he would not do the circumcision because Zipporah didn't want him to do the circumcision. So he was caught between, you know, a, a rock and a hard place. He was caught between God and what his wife wanted him to do. And, and, and so he did what God told him to do and there was a great conflict there. But Aaron met up with Moses. Moses, and the first thing he did was he grabbed him and he gave him a holy kiss and I believe he knew he's been through something and he needs that encouragement to know a man that God understands where he's at and he's given him that encouragement we need encouragement sometimes from our brothers we need that amen and there's that affection there stay here with me David kissed Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20 verse 41 with a holy kiss in the field in one of the hardest times of his life when Saul wanted to kill David. There wasn't nothing homosexual about that. There wasn't nothing illicit about that. There wasn't nothing perverted about that. It was a holy kiss because Jonathan came out and, and he was trying to, he wasn't trying, he was, he was preserving the light in Israel and he was trying to protect David from what his own father Saul wanted to do to David. It was a holy thing. And whenever that armor bearer grabbed those arrows and he told him, go on back to the house. David come out of that field and him and Jonathan met. And he was like, you know what? They began to make a covenant at that moment. Right then and right there. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 41, I'm not reading all these scriptures to so you. Write them down. I'm just sharing with you what's already there. Jonathan and David embraced. Jonathan loved what God loved. And what God loved was David's heart. God loved David's heart because he said he has a heart after God's own heart. Amen. Just because, you know, somebody does something that you don't agree with sometimes in ministry doesn't mean that they don't have God's heart. 
God has a heart. David was a warrior. And there were times he had to deal with things. He was a loving man, but he had a heart after God's own heart. And that's why Jonathan was knit with him, because he knew he's somebody that God's going to use, and he saw the hand of God upon him. And that, that kiss, in essence, that holy kiss, was, was an embracing, and it was a connection. It was an attachment. It was an agreement with what God says. And he said, I'm in agreement with this. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, Samuel comes down to anoint the king. You've all read that. And he asked Jesse, bring out all your boys. Well, Jesse brought them all out. But David, he said, ain't none of these fellows in here, even as tall and, and built and good looking and all the attributes that they have, it ain't none of these boys. Don't you have any other boys? Well, we got a little old shepherd out there in the backside of the sheep, but we'll bring him in here. And when David came in, a little Rudy boy he's standing there he's a teenage boy and he's looking up at him and he began to pour that anointing oil upon him and he kissed him with a holy kiss why are you reading all these scriptures or quoting all these scriptures because it's all through the Bible it's all through the Bible why did he kiss David why did Samuel the prophet Samuel the high priest kiss David because he was kissing him in an extension of God's heart through Samuel the prophet and the priest. And you cannot diminish the actions that we see in the story or in the word of God. That was God's kiss of blessing upon him. Y'all aren't getting this tonight. I know you wanted me to swing from the pipes up there, but we're going a different direction. Please do not think for one second that I'm wanting somebody to make out with you after church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an act that took place in the Bible of an endearment, of a connection. And it's spiritual. Everything spiritual that happened, there was a kiss that was involved with it. We need that That. We need that connection with the body of Christ because I can tell you, I'm in Christ, Santo's in Christ. He's my brother. We need that connection. We need that love. We need that brotherhood. We need that fellowship. We need that, in essence, that spiritual unity. Amen? Because we're all one in here. We're all one in here. And that spiritual kiss makes you one. It connects you together. And you can't diminish the actions that we see in the story. That was God's kiss of blessing upon David from Samuel. And I just shared some authentic kisses that are noted in Scripture. But I want to show some examples in the Word, uh, in the word of a heart condition behind the kiss. Every heart can, there's, in every kiss, there's a heart condition behind it. In every kiss, there's a motive behind it. I'm telling you, every kiss is not holy. If they are holy, that means they have the character of God in them and the integrity also. Yeah, put that on a reel. If they're a holy kiss, that means they have the character of God behind them and the integrity also. Amen. Is your kiss leavened with corruption? If so, let's heed the word 
And let's repent and have a pure heart and motives in that act. Isaac kissed Jacob and he meant it with integrity. You know what? I, I, I feel like I'm not getting the wow factor because I'm not reading the scripture. So I'm going to read the scripture. In Genesis chapter 27, in Genesis 27, verse 26, this is what happened whenever Esau, I'm sorry, whenever Jacob went in and deceived his father. In verse 26 of chapter 27, the Bible says, And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. And he said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and a plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. And it came to pass as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. And he also had made savory meat and brought it unto his father and said unto his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's venison that the soul thy soul may bless me and Isaac his father said unto him who art thou and he said I am thy son thy firstborn Esau and Isaac trembled very exceedingly and said who who where is he that hath taken venison and brought it me and I have eaten of all before thou camest and have blessed him Yea, and, and he shall be blessed. And when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great and exceedingly bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me even also my father, oh my father. And we know what happened. But what I want to say to you is in the midst of this action that took place, there was a kiss involved. And it was a kiss of deception. But Isaac didn't know that. His heart was pure, but his son's was deceptive. It was not a holy kiss. It was a deceptive kiss. And so there are deceptive kisses. There are unholy kisses. There are treacherous kisses. The giver was pure in his intention, uh, speaking of Isaac, but the recipient was the deceiver. If you read in the book of Ruth chapter 1 verse 9 and verse 14, Naomi began to say, I'm going back to my homeland. I'm going back to, to, to Israel. I'm going back to, to Bethlehem. I'm going back where I used to be. There's bread and God's going to take care of his people. And we know the story that she had lost her husband and both of her sons and she had two daughter-in-laws there with her. And we know that Orpah went up and she tried to compel her to go with her and she said, well, you know, at first she was willing to go but then she said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and go on back. But Ruth clave unto Naomi. She wouldn't let her go. But Orpah went up and kissed her. And she went on back to Moab. And she went back to idolatry. Because her kiss was not genuine. She no doubt had a fondness for Naomi. But not for her God. So her kiss was a disingenuous platitude. 
Amen. Some of you don't know what a platitude is, but a platitude is something that is very stale and dull and void of sentiment. And disingenuous means it's not genuine. It's a disingenuous. Have you ever had somebody be disingenuous with you? I can tell you that is one thing that I pray the Lord always puts me in check in my life. Do not let me be disingenuous. I want to be genuine and authentic. I want to be earnest. I want to have integrity in my life. And but 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 Orpah was a disingenuous gave a disingenuous kiss, a disingenuous platitude, which means she was stale and dull and void of sentiment and you can't give a holy kiss if it's not generated from a holy God who you know personally oh there's so much more some of you never knew how many kisses were in the Bible there's a lot of them good ones and not so good In Luke chapter 7, verse 38, remember when the woman came in that was a woman of the city? And she began to kneel down and she wept on Jesus' feet and she kissed his feet. What was that? That was a genuine kiss of a heartfelt worshiper. And the absence in the room of a holy kiss from the host. Because Jesus said... You're criticizing her, but I came in here and did nobody wash my feet. Did nobody give me a kiss? That's exactly what he said. He said, nobody washed my feet. Nobody gave me a kiss. But from the moment she walked in the door, she has washed my feet with her tears. She has given me kisses on my feet. She is, she's worshiping me. And you know what, what I think is so interesting? He said, thou gave me no kiss. Let me just say this to you. The Lord spoke this to me. He said, oh, let us not forsake to kiss. Let us not forsake the kiss of our Lord in worship. And then criticize the passionate worshiper. In other words, we don't want to do it, but we criticize other people that do. Amen. Don't judge anybody's worship. You don't know whether it's pure or not. It's unto God. And, and, and you know, you, you just, you don't know. But we, what I'm trying to say is Jesus put him in check and he said, she's the only one that came in here and gave me a holy kiss of worship. She's the only one. Is our, is our, is our kiss unto God. Because I can tell you that's what we do when we get down there and we're worshiping God. We're sitting down there and we're having intimate contact with him. That's what that is. That's what that is. And he said... You gave me no kiss. So let's not criticize what we're not willing to do. Amen. There were treacherous kisses in the Bible. I'm just going to go through these real quick and just give you the scriptures. But let me just give you a couple and then we'll get here towards the end. Where I really believe that the Lord will minister to you from his word. You know, Joab grabbed Amasa by the beard in 2 Samuel 20, and he went over there, and he was acting like he was going to kiss him and greet him. But he grabbed him by the beard and pulled out a sword and went in his side. It was a treacherous kiss. Well, it wasn't even a kiss. It was a shank before 
the kiss even got into, you know, to happen. Never happened. But he acted like he was going to kiss him, but he didn't. He murdered him. Judas, I'm sorry, Absalom in 2 Samuel 15, verses 4 through 6, he was down stealing the hearts of the people in Jerusalem. He was there at the gate saying, you know what? He was saying, you know what? Oh, I wish I was a judge. Oh, I wish I was in charge. I wish I was the king. I wish I was the one. I can tell you, I would be a whole lot better of a leader than David. That's what he was saying in essence. And he was stealing the hearts of the people. And the Bible says he'd go over and he'd grab their hand and he would be like, you know what? Oh, you got, you got problems. He was a politician. He was a politician. He'd say, oh, my, you know, oh, I tell you, nobody loves you, man, but I love you. I love you. And the Bible says he would grab their hand and he would kiss them. Read it. It's right there in the Word of God. Absalom, I'll read it to you. I'll read it to you. Amen. In, in 2 Samuel, I'm sorry. Yes, 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel 15, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 4, And Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. He wasn't interested in really loving the people. He was in love with the power. You know, there are people that want to be in leadership and they don't love the ones they lead. They love to lead. So the question is, do you love the ones you lead or do you just love to lead? Are you in love with the title? Are you in love with that? He kissed those at the gate, stole the hearts of the men of Israel, being driven to, the king, to be king. It was a manipulative kiss. I don't want to be manipulative. Amen. I don't want to be manipulative. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. Luke 22, verse 47 through 48. And the Bible says in the, in the concordance, and I don't have the exact number, but in the concordance, it, was, it, it said whenever Judas went up to Jesus, this is the way it's implied in the scripture, that he kissed him so many times, it was like he just kept kissing him and kept kissing him and kept kissing him and kept kissing him. Because Jesus, John Corson wrote this in his commentary, Jesus was such a common looking person that they had no idea who he was out of the bunch. Amen. They, they said, we don't know who he is from the other 12 that are, that are over there, whoever's around about him. And Judas said, I'll show you. I'm going to go right up to him and I'll kiss him. And, and there was probably a lot of people there and he just, he just kept on. What I'm saying to you is that he betrayed him with a kiss or with kisses. And I can tell you, you will not hide or cover up from God your wicked heart. He knows. Because he said, Judas, you betrayed me with a kiss. John Corson said this, and I'll, I'll quote this. G Judas betrayed him, and he said, Jesus was so common looking at the, that he blended with the crowd that Judas had to distinguish who Jesus was this way. I believe in the midst of him doing that, 
I believe he was even then beginning to start to feel the conviction, but he had already started the process. Have you ever been in a place of sin and don't act like you haven't just looked straight ahead? In a place in the midst of a sin and you, you know you're not supposed to be doing it, you know it's sinful, you know it's wrong, but you figure, you know what, I'm already here. God is saying, don't betray me. Listen, there is a treacherous kiss. There is a kiss of real holy love and integrity. And, you know, I don't think he's here tonight. And I'm not saying nothing bad. It's all good. So you can talk about somebody behind their back when it's good. Right? Philip Acosta. I'm telling you. That guy is a lover of Jesus, and he loves people. He grabs me. I get 15 kisses on my face and my forehead and everywhere else before I even get in the door. But there ain't nothing unholy about that at all. He's as pure as the driven snow. His heart is pure. His heart is spotless. He just loves God, and he's so thankful to be where he's at and so thankful to to be saved and to be delivered and to be have a family of, of God, a body of Christ around him. And he loves you. Oh, he, 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 he's just genuine, you know. And there's other people I know that they, they love you and, and all that. I'm not discounting that. I'm just saying he's just a prime example of what I'm talking about tonight of a holy kiss. Amen. Amen. He's not, you know... He's not got a, a, an impure thought in his mind. He's not going around the church trying to see who he can scope out. And No, 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 no. He loves God and he loves people. That's a holy kiss. And it's pure. And, and I just, I just want to say to you tonight, let us examine our hearts and motives to be certain that our love is like Christ's love. He said greet with a holy kiss because it's a point of contact it's something that shows your affection and it shows your compassion. It shows that you, you, you truly love that person in the Lord. You love them. And, and, and everything that we do, it needs to be seasoned with salt and the salt of his love and the salt of his compassion and honor to our brothers and our sisters in Christ. Because a holy kiss was exhorted because of its impact. It is the personality of God. I assure you, as John laid on Jesus' chest, there were times Jesus grabbed them disciples and he loved them. He gave them a kiss on the cheek. There's no doubt in my mind. Because anything that God does in, in his word that is a part of, of, of every other, what I would say, continuity in the scripture. In other words, there, it, it, you see it everywhere in the Bible. I can tell you that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. And um, you see the compassion of God throughout the whole word. You see his love shown. And I can tell you that in heaven, God looks down upon his children. And spiritually, whenever we feel the presence of God, it's like a kiss of God. Because there's nothing like being kissed, I can tell you. Amen. I'm going to tell you something right now. There's only one, one lady in my life. I'm not being funny. You know, we all act like we're squares tonight, like we can't. 
Amen. I know some of you have kissed people in here. And if, you, if you're married and that's not happening, maybe that's what's your problem. Amen. You know, every... it's like Brother Talbert said that one time. Sitting down with that couple. They were having marital problems. And he said, every night, she cooks that little dog down there, a hamburger patty and an egg. Every night. And then when he's done eating, goes in there and just rubs on his belly. And he said, just irritates me. And she said, well, what do you think I'm supposed to do, brother? And he said, well, I think if you want your marriage to get back on track, maybe you need to cook him a hamburger patty, your husband, that is, and an egg, and then go in there and rub his belly. <laughs> Some people love their dogs more than their spouses. Did I just say that? Man, this was the Holy Ghost. It's the personality of God. Because a kiss is the most intimate thing that can happen. And I can tell you, you say, oh, it ain't in the Bible. I can tell you, Jesus, there were times he grabbed them disciples and he loved them. He probably pulled them up close, gave them a kiss right here on the cheek. said, John, I love you. I love you. John taught more on love than anybody. And he knew the pure, holy love of God. Because he teaches it in his epistles. And he teaches it in his gospel. And so I assure you of that. And I close with this, that Jesus came to the earth and in essence kissed the earth with his touch. That's why he came. I was reading a scripture today. I don't know that I've even ever remember reading it before, but I'm sure that I have. But in Psalms 85, verse 9, this is what it says. It says in Psalms 85, verse 9, Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him. That glory may dwell in our land. So that we need the fear of God for there to be the glory of God in our land. That's why our land is all messed up. Because there's no fear of God. There needs to be a fear of God. But then he goes on to say mercy and truth are met together. And righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Why did I write that or why did I uh, uh, quote that tonight? Because when he said righteousness and peace kissed each other, that's exactly what happens when a person is right with God and another person is right with God. There's a peace where there's righteousness. Amen? There's a peace in your home where mom and dad are both getting along and walking with the Lord like they're supposed to. If a husband and wife will just live for God and they will begin to live a righteous life and endeavor to live a righteous life. And when I say righteous, treating one another with love and treating 
treating one another with grace, showing long-suffering and grace to the person that you're supposed to be the closest with. Why is it that we always seem to show people external greater grace and love and mercy and long-suffering than we do the people that are the closest to us? It's wrong. It's supposed to be the other way around. You'll yell and scream and nag and bicker. Have, uh, you know, have contention and strife in that family. Then you'll go somewhere and people act just like, you know, that, you know, they're just, you know, the mayor. Just love everybody. I've seen people that get, you know, I'm going to tell on myself. We used to go to church, went to Living Waters. I was there six years, worship leader. And we'd have a great service. And we'd get in that car. And it just seemed like the devil would just jump in there with us. And the whole ride home is World War III. Angela and I would just, come on, some of you, you look straight ahead. Amen. Some of you say, it's World War III getting here. <laughs> Man. Maybe you need to lean over to the spouse and kiss him and say, let me greet you with a holy kiss and let's not argue on the way. Amen. But one day I just realized, you know what? This has to stop. This is not right. This is not right. Because that, that you know what that is? It's called hypocrisy. And God don't need any onstage actors. He needs people to be righteous at home and righteous at church. Amen. I'm just telling you right now tonight, I'm teaching you something, and I believe God's trying to show us that righteousness and peace kissed each other. We only have peace with God and of God and with others because of His righteousness in us and they touch with great spiritual intimacy. That's why you can have a brother or sister in, a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord and it's so beautiful that relationship. It's just so beautiful. It's so awesome. You know, it just is. You know, I, I love to go over to Delia and Santos and Delia's always got something to eat, to eat. Amen. I'm so thankful. She's always got some soup or something, you know. And, and I used to think, man, I don't want to eat, but man, it's just so good. And so, you know, how can I say no? You know, you're not supposed to turn anybody down. So, but she always, hey, pastor, ah, brother. She just loves, always got a smile on her face. She's bubbly, amen. And she just loves the Lord. And I appreciate that because that's a spirit that is contagious. And she's not greeting me with an with a actual kiss, but she's hugging me and she's loving me. And in essence, that's a contact. It's body language that's a contact that speaks volumes. It's authentic. There's integrity there. There's integrity there. We only have the peace of God and of God and with others, peace with others, because of His righteous, righteousness in us. And they touch with great spiritual intimacy. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Joseph kissed his brothers in restoration. Genesis 48 verse 10. The Bible says that after he had put them out and he brought them back in. He began to weep and say, I'm your brother Joseph. And he wept on their, shoulder, on their necks. And the Bible says he kissed them. 
Because whenever you kiss somebody with a holy kiss and you're weeping in, in, in reconciliation and restoration, there's nothing fake or fraudulent about that. This is how I feel about you. And it's very evident that from that moment on, he loved his brothers. And when you forgive somebody, you forgive them. It's over. It's over. It's in the past. What you thought you meant for bad, God meant for good. So the things that you're going through, let me tell you, God's doing it for your good. Amen. All things are working together for your good. Amen. All things work together for the good to those who love God and are thee called according to his purpose. All of this had to happen because Joseph had to learn something. And he was a type of Christ. That even though you put me in a pit... I'm going to love you. Even though you put me through hell for years, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to kiss you on your cheek. And it's going to be holy. It's not going to be manipulative. It's not going to be a kiss of betrayal. It's not going to be Orpah's kiss. It's not going to be Absalom's kiss. It's not going to be Joab's kiss. Esau. In Genesis 33, 4, when Jacob came up to him and he saw him, Esau, Jacob fell to the ground. So the Bible says. And Esau grabbed him and he kissed him. Because what he was saying is, I know you betrayed me, but I love you. And this is a kiss of authenticity and integrity. It's a holy kiss and I love you. He's showing the forgiveness of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The prodigal's father clearly reflects the heart of God as he embraces his lost son and he kisses him. It's through the whole Bible. In Luke 15 20, when he saw him, he said, Bring the robe. Bring the ring, bring the shoes. Kill the fatted calf. Do you know why he killed the fatted calf? Not because he wanted to have a barbecue of celebration, but because whenever a child went away, that father didn't know if he committed some sin or not. And he said, I want to make sure that we make atonement. I can tell you, you can't have a holy kiss without atonement. And he said, let's do all these things, but I want him to know I love him. And he fell on his neck and he wept and he kissed him. And he said, my son was dead, but he's now alive. He's come back to life. In prayer, we were to kiss the son in worship. Meaning connecting in one of the closest spiritual forms. What does Psalms chapter 2 say? I'm going to read it and I'm going to close. In Psalms chapter 2. He said in verse 12. I'll just start with verse 11. Serve the Lord with fear. Because this is a messianic psalm, by the way. In Psalms chapter 2. It's a, song that, it's a psalm that represents the Messiah. And he said, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish from the way. When His wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in Him. If you'll start the beginning of that, you'll understand that the heathen rage. There's people that say, we're going to break him. We're going to destroy him. 
The kings of the earth have set themselves and rulers and take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us because there's people that do not want the love of God to bind them. There's a love that binds you. Amen. There's a love that binds you to that altar. That sacrifice had to be bound to that altar. That's why it says, you know, put that sacrifice on that altar and bind it with cords. There's a binding together of love. But they, there's people that say, I don't want to be bound by that love. And they don't love anybody. They may think they do, but they don't love anybody. Because the moment that somebody doesn't do what they want, their love all of a sudden diminishes. But I can tell you, when you're serving God and His love binds you, then there's a lot of things you do when people don't reciprocate. Amen. But he goes on to say, Ask of me and I'll give thee the heathen for thine inheritance in verse 8. That's what Jesus was called to do. He was, he was called to come down here to this earth and, 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 and begin to give his life. And God said in his word, that's what that messianic psalm means. I will give the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. He's not talking about the people that he loves and that he redeems. He's talking about the people that, he, that have rejected him. I can tell you that the same cross will either save you or it will damn you. You're either going to accept Jesus' sacrifice or that sacrifice one day is going to stare you in the face on judgment day and you're going to have to say, I rejected it. And God's going to say, well, then you have to stand before me for your sin, for yourself. And you can't do that because you're not a, willy, you're not a, 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 a perfect spotless sacrifice. Only Jesus is. That's why we must preach Christ. We must preach Christ. We must. And, and, and the world has to know this God that we serve. And every day we come and we're with Him and we're in His presence. And we, we, it's, it's like God kisses us in prayer. I don't know about you, but in worship and in prayer, that's how I feel. In fact, there have been times I've been so touched and moved by God. I sat there in my prayer closet and I just held my Bible because, you know, I, I, just, I said, Lord, I just want to touch you. I just want to hold you. I just want to hug you, Lord. I just I want to get closer. And I feel like with this Bible closer to my heart that I'm just that much closer. I don't know. I'm just trying to hold on. And the Lord comes and he pours out his spirit in that place in prayer and worship and it's like God comes down here and kisses the earth and I'm right there in the middle of the smack let me tell you there have been times in prayer that went like this I'm like Lord I just kiss you I love you I love you I worship you that's what I'm talking about tonight and that's how we're supposed to be with the body because there's a lot of people that had an unholy kiss but there is a holy kiss there's a holy love. There's a holy embrace. There's a holy acceptance. There's a holy intimacy with God and with the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, those people that go through your valleys with you, those people that go through those storms with you, amen, that friend that's there alongside you whenever you're going through the valley, amen, when you're going through it, God is so good. Aren't you thankful for your brothers and sisters in Christ? 
What Paul and Peter were saying is, we're in this together, brothers. We need one another. We're in this together. You're not alone. You're not alone. Amen. You're not alone. If there's one thing that I remember as a child about my father, about my dad, and I did not see him a lot as a kid, but when he came to pick us up, and he would take us, there's two things I remember about my dad. Number one, three things. My dad was, was, was always wore cologne. Always. And, and he always smelled so good, and I would just hug him, and I would be like, man, I wish I could smell like this, you know. Well, after I got done hugging him, I did. Because his cologne wore off on me. But my, yeah, yeah. Some people need to be perfumed with the very aroma of the Holy Spirit in their life. Amen. And you'll be effective. But another thing was he was so loving to us. I remember his love. Never forgot that. And I remember my dad would grab us kids. And he'd kiss every one of us. And he'd kiss us again. And he'd cry and he'd weep. I'm sorry, kids, it has to be this way. But I got to drop you off here on the front porch of the house. And he kissed us, and I never forgot that. And to this day, to this day, my dad still grabs me. To this day, every time he sees me, he kisses me on the cheek. He loves me. He loves me. And you know what? If my dad can show that kind of love, can you imagine the love of the Father? Holy kiss. And church, we're supposed to be him extended. We're supposed to be a mirror of who he is. Are we? At all times. Always. The apostle Paul said, ladies, your husband may not be serving God. But love him and show him Christ. Because that's how you're going to win him. You're not going to win him by beating him up with the Bible. You're going to win him by loving him and showing him Christ. Amen. I've heard women say, I've heard men say, I'm here today because of a loving wife. She loved me into the kingdom. He loved me into the kingdom. Amen. Oh, Father, today, I just thank you, Lord. And I know this was probably very uh, out of the ordinary of what we normally do. But, Lord, I obeyed you. And I knew what you wanted me to do. And so tonight, before we leave... My heart's prayer is this, that you will just minister to us all here before we go home tonight, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.